I'm Satya Nelms and this is Our Mother's Gardens. On this show, we discuss the seeds our mother sowed in us, the ways we have grown, and how we learn to blossom. In this space, Black women that have learned to define success on their own terms share stories of their beginnings, healing, and thriving. Welcome and thank you for being a part of this community of mamas, grandmamas, aunties, sisters, cousins, daughters, and friends. Today we are in the garden with Kayla Jackson. Kayla is an ex-social worker turned coach owner of her business, A Place for Audrey. She believes everyone can access ease in their home and life without feeling guilty. She is a lover of liberation, Black feminism, and astrology, and is based in the Bay Area. The first question um, that I always ask is, when you hear the word mother, what does that conjure for you? What does mother mean to you? I think... When I first hear the word mother, what conjures up for me is first. Mm-hmm. Like it's just, it's so many firsts. It's that child's first relationship. It's that mom's first relationship with either their first child or that specific child. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of first and I think of holding. Mm. Yeah. 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 And when you think of when you think of the word mother who comes up for you is there a singular person or you know several people who are your mothers or who is your mother yeah well i've got my bio mom Mm -hmm. who is probably the first that i think of but i yeah i definitely would say that i have a lot there are a lot of people i call mom Mm -hmm. um they call mom or mama. So um, <laughs> I think about, I think a lot about my childhood babysitter. Mm-hmm. And she took care of me, I think when I was 18 months, she first got me. And we still talk today. <laughs> like I just, oh. I just texted her like a few days ago. Uh, so I think a lot about Miss Weekly and all of the mothering and nurturing that she did for me. And I think a lot about my friends' mothers. Mm-hmm. Um, growing up, I was that kid that was kind of always with the adults, always somehow with the adults, having a conversation about their children. But mm-hmm. I was also friends. <laughs> like, oh, yes, tell me more about your child. Let's talk about it. <laughs> and for whatever reason, parents really loved opening up to me. So we just, I collected moms. I collected a lot of moms. And I have a lot of good ones in my corner. Can you tell me some more about your bio mom? Yeah, so my mom, um, I guess the the easiest way is that we have a complex relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that without it seeming like it be being like a judgment call on her. I think it's just kind of facts. Um, I think that I in particular was kind of hard for her. Mm-hmm. Um, my older sister. And I just think that between the two of us, I think I was just kind of hard for her. I think that it was 
a mix of we both needed the same things, but also did not know how to communicate those same things. Mm -hmm. So I think that we just clashed in ways that were very confusing growing up, but now kind of looking into the relationship more, I'm like, well, I I guess that makes sense. Um, Yeah, so it was always complex. And then when I came out, uh, I guess now, six-ish years ago, six or seven years ago, mm-hmm. um, are already complex, are already kind of strained relationship, mm-hmm. basically kind of broke. Mm-hmm. Um, and then since then, we've been trying to come back to something, mm-hmm. something different in my in my hopes, on my end, I don't want to go back to what it was before because, again, it was always complex. It was always strained. Right. Um, but, yeah, I think that I would say as of right now, we are in communication. Um, we were not in communication for about five years. And just trying to, trying to like, come back and be present and be honest and real with all the hurts that I have felt and be honest and real with all the hurts that she has felt. Mm-hmm. How do we both come together and start a new relationship as mom and adult child? Yeah. What was the catalyst for you coming back together? Hmm. Well, I think that one part of the catalyst was that relationship that I came out with ended. Mm. And I think that that was, and this is a pure assumption, I think that in her mind, it kind of felt like, oof, okay, it's the end of that thing. That thing she told me about is now done, that identity piece is now over, I can now have my daughter back. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think that with me coming out, it really felt like she didn't know me. Mm. So... And so what yeah. do you hope will be different about your relationship now? As you said, you don't want to go back to the way things things were. What do you what do you want this time around? I think this time around and this is after lots of therapists, lots of years <laughs> of therapy and years in my professional roles, I used to be a social worker. Um, I've kind of always been in some type of helping profession. Mm-hmm. So I think after just like years of really getting clear on what my needs are and being able to communicate that, mm-hmm. um, I mean, kind of essentially modeling, right? I think one of my one of my therapists said to me way back when she was like, "You have to teach your parents how mm-hmm. to parent you." Mm-hmm. You have to. It's your responsibility to do that. Um, And I was so resistant to that idea at first because I was like, I'm the child. I don't want to work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, um, yeah, and I think that after I kind of let myself feel those feelings, right, of Mm -hmm. I am the child, I don't want to do work, I then was left with, okay, well, there is also, though, a role that I play in our current dynamic that I can either continue playing mm-hmm. or we can just kind of keep going through the motions mm-hmm. or I can model the care that I need mm-hmm. and be an open invitation for her to show up with me and whether or not how she shows up is, is up to her. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but knowing that I'm going to be consistently trying to work towards us being more transparent with each other, us being able to have a relationship that's more than just kind of a superficial, um, let's just talk about this casual thing here and there, or if the relationship does end up staying that way, then me finding solace in that, right? Because it's also just like I'm asking potentially a lot of her. I'm asking somebody who, you know, I don't know. My mom has... To everyone else, I think that she is very warm and charismatic and sweet. And I don't think that any of those things are not true. I just think that she has a very hard time showing that to her kids. Mm -hmm. Um, So offering an open invitation for us to have a different relationship and also having compassion for maybe she can't meet me exactly where I want her to be. And so I want to go back just for a second to something that you said about collecting, collecting moms. Is there, are there particular things that you were trying to collect in these other mothers? Um, Yeah, thinking about, you know, what you're saying about what you may not have been getting from your own mother do you think that there were things you were trying to collect from the other um, mother figures that you came across in your life? Yeah, I think that a a large piece of it was just wanting to be seen, mm-hmm. right? So it's just like who who will see me and not be exhausted by me? Mm. I think there were definitely moments. More like I kind of mentioned earlier, I think I was just, I was a lot for my mom. I think I was just like so much for my mom. Mm -hmm. Uh, In particular, and not because I necessarily was like always into things or doing, you know, me and my sister were basically, you know, the quote unquote perfect children, right? Like we did all the right things, said all the right things, Mm -hmm. did all appropriate after school activities, went to church, right? It was just like all the things that you want your child to do or that we are socialized to believe that this is what our child should do. We did those things. But I do think that there was just a level of emotional need and support that I needed to have as a kid Mm -hmm. um, that my mom just didn't quite know how to provide. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So I was searching for a lot of that. I was searching for a lot of I want to, you know, feel feelings and not have it be it's okay. Stop crying. You're okay. You're fine. It's okay. Everything's fine. I didn't want that to be the response. I wanted to be some type of like, oh yeah, that makes sense Mm -hmm. that you're upset. (laughs) That's understandable that you have this reaction. Um, So yeah, I think I just really wanted to be, I wanted to be seen. I didn't want to feel like I was too much, Mm. which is a lot of what I felt. And again, not that I don't even know if she understands the layers of how that energy came out in the space, but mm-hmm. yeah. So when is the, what is your first memory of feeling seen and in particular being, uh, feeling seen by a mother figure? Oh, um, 
I would probably say with uh, with my babysitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was maybe seven or eight. Mm-hmm. And I, um, we were always like, everyone, everyone there, it was a home daycare. And it was like right up the street from where I lived. Um, so all the kids there, we all lived around each other, knew each other. Um, and there were a range of ages. So me always wanting to be the little helper, I was just constantly like, oh, can I help with that? Can I do this mm-hmm. other thing? And mm-hmm. I think that uh, she kind of saw that. And she was like, oh, well, yeah, come on. Let's let's put you to work. What do you need done? Let's do here. Let me do this. Let's do that. Like, we just kind of, yeah, it felt like I was, I was being valued and seen in that way of like, Mm-hmm. Oh, look, she's here and she wants to help and she also wants to talk to me. Okay, sure, I'll, t- I'll talk to this kid. We'll, <laughs> we can have a conversation. Um, and I think a lot of times, too, I was a I was a super anxious kid. I was very, very anxious. Um, and I think that she kind of was able to see a lot of that anxiety and soothe a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Particular, my sister used to leave to go to school, and they would kind of have to like secretly sneak her out of the house to take her to school because I would look around and be like, "Where's my sister?" She would just be like, "It's okay. She just went to school. She's coming right back." And I was like, "She'll be right back." And she was like, "Yeah, uh huh. She'll be right back. You're okay. You are safe." <laughs> I was like, "Okay." So I think getting comforted and also having a space where I could be helpful and be seen and be like oh cool you're doing good you're you're fine like you are doing good mm-hmm. was very affirming for me yeah yeah so what were the lessons that you learned from watching the way your mother moved through the world and what of those lessons did you feel like you wanted to keep? And what of those lessons was it important to you that you do something different? Yeah, I think I think the biggest lesson that she certainly modeled for us was this kind of, um, this helpful energy, right? Of just like, if you have the if you have the means, if you can help that person, then help that person. Mm-hmm. It, it wouldn't necessarily it's not going to hurt or set you back to help this person. And I think that where she, where I have kind of learned to be a little more clear and draw lines mm-hmm. around where my helping is, is where I then, from observing her, saw some of the effects of being everybody's somebody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that. Yeah, she can be very helpful. And I think that sometimes the boundary gets a little blurry with her. Whereas from all the observing that I was able to do with her, and again, I'm the baby. So I was observing her, observing my older sister, Mm -hmm. um, four years older than me, and just kind of seeing like, oh, okay, this is how they do things. Mm -hmm. I I want to take some of this, but then also some of the in spite of things Mm -hmm. that I've witnessed just knowing when to say when, right? Just knowing when my boundary has stopped of, okay, this is how much I can give. This is how much I can support. I kind of have to go and refill my cup now. Right. Uh, and I think that my mom 
really struggles with that piece. So watching the effects of that happening, watching her be so tired from working the long hours that she had to work and then from, again, being so many things to so many people, it just kind of... Mm. It was clear to me that, like, oh, I think I need to protect this. Gotcha. This is something that's a skill of mine that I'm good at, and I think that I need to protect this thing that I'm good at. Mm-hmm. Which is holding space for others. So, yeah. And as, I guess, as you observed her being everybody's somebody, did you have a sense of where that inclination came from even as you watched you know her doing that to her detriment you know as you said being really exhausted and all of those things did you have a sense of or did you gain perspective when you got older as to why she felt she needed to be everybody somebody Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I think that was definitely a perspective as I got older Mm -hmm. lesson um, in particular, when I was, I think, in social work, when I was, like, deep in the trenches of it um, and being a lot of things to a lot of people, but then also being exhausted. Um, and I was just noticing very similar patterns that my mom would have when she would come home from work and be extremely exhausted um, of just like, oh, I don't really want to do anything. Mm-hmm. I don't want to. I don't, I don't have the energy to do this thing, anything that I want to do, even the things that I actually want to work on. It's like, oh, if that's going to be too much work, I don't want to do it mm. and kind of stopping and then just kind of being an autopilot, right? Like you just, you work, you go to sleep, you wake up, you're tired, but you work and then you just kind of do it again and again and again. Um, and I have felt that so hard as I was burning out in social work. Mm-hmm. I was just like, I don't know what's happening. I don't know what to do. I think I need to stop. Like, I don't think that this is, this can't possibly be what I want, mm-hmm. right? Like, can't, if I'm going to say that I am in social work to engage in social justice and liberation for all of us and all of those pieces, then like, what does that mean if I am exhausted? <laughs> if I can't even like enjoy the things that I'm fighting and working towards, uh, I don't even want to like, take care of myself Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and like what exactly am I even fighting for um so I think that that lesson and then just kind of saying like oh this is this is kind of a pattern that I kind of inherited from her and Mm -hmm. now I have a little more skills I had a little more access than she did at my age um so you know I can I can learn from this I can I can shift I can I can still take care of myself and be helpful to people. I can do both. Yeah. So you said that you had a therapist who said, you know, we have to, you know, show our parents how to parent us. We have to parent our our parents and model for them what it looks like. Do you also parent yourself? Do you also mother yourself? And what does that look like? Yeah. And that sometimes is very hard. (laughs) But (laughs) it's, I think it looks like a lot of compassion and grace that I think my mom did not let herself have at times and sometimes didn't let us have. And I was just kind of like, okay, well, I'm a human. 
I can only do so much. I can only do, you know, things based off of the knowledge that I have at that time. Um, and at that time with that therapist, you know, I was, I was in the thick of it with, with my parents, both of them were not in communication with me. So, um, it was just like feeling all of that and then feeling also a tiny pang of, well, yeah, maybe I am wrong and I don't deserve to be held and supported. And it was just a lot of that work of like reorganizing my thoughts around my own identities, right? Like just because I came out doesn't mean that I came out and I was also very confident in my queerness, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um yeah, there was just still a lot of self-loving and tending that had to happen. So extending a lot of grace to myself, reminding myself that I am worthwhile regardless mm-hmm. of what I did or did not do for somebody that day. Um, you know, even if I helped no one that day, even if all I did was cry about that situation, go to therapy and do my job, kind of, <laughs> then that was <laughs> that was enough and that that was enough that's that's what I had to give that day um so like how do I keep taking care of myself to eventually be able to give more Mm -hmm. so yeah lots of grace lots of extending grace yeah yeah and that's so hard (laughs) so hard (laughs) so hard um so how do you feel your being black and you know being black in this country in particular how did that inform the way that your mother mothered you and how does it inform or affect the way that you mother yourself yeah I think that a lot of the compassion that I'm able to feel now for times where she just wasn't as skillful um is because of that piece. I think, you know, being a black mother, I can only imagine how hard it is Mm -hmm. um, to focus on trying to raise this healthy human and trying to protect this human from, at some points, what feels like everyone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's like, how am I supposed to safeguard you and your feelings and keep you alive and keep this thing and you know with this it's just a lot to I think it's a lot to digest and I think that you know my my mom isn't necessarily somebody that's involved in social justice or liberation work Mm -hmm. but obviously has this lived experience and history of what it means to be a black woman in this space um Mm -hmm. And I think that that has impacted her a lot, especially in terms of trying to just be the black woman that has everything held together mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and is just fine and doesn't need help, doesn't need support. She's okay, um, even though she isn't. Right. I think a lot of that, a lot of that was hard for her. Um, and the second part of your question is how do I then mother myself? Based off of... Yeah, how mm -hmm. does being Black inform or affect the way that you mother yourself? Yeah, I think that that is... That's where my liberation and social justice work came in for me. Um, I was introduced to the idea of being able to recenter myself as a form of self-care. That prioritizing me was actually, like, my 
right as a black woman, as a queer black woman, like that's what I was supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. Um, Because no one else is going to do this for me. Mm -hmm. So I think that in my in my connection with and I identify as a black feminist so like in my connection with that and with all of those practices and with all of the black women feminist thinkers before me who helped me kind of get here Mm -hmm. I was just able to remember that like this is my point this is this is the social justice work I need to be doing Mm -hmm. not necessarily being out and about and everybody's somebody but really prioritizing okay does this action serve me right now Mm -hmm. does this thing serve me right now is this benefiting me is this harming me what's happening here um just being very very intentional about my energy where it's going and why yeah 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 Yeah. I guess what I what I'm thinking about is how does the way in which you are how does the way in which you are reshaping this dynamic between you and your mother and the way in which you are reshaping your dynamic in your with yourself you know all of these different forms of mothering how do they contribute to your liberation work Yeah, I think it's, it's, I think it contributes because it's just, you know, the personal is political. So I think that the things that I am, the things that I talk about, right, the things that I'm like vocal about, I really, I care a lot about integrity. Mm-hmm. And I care a lot about if I'm going to tell somebody else, hey, you really should work on this piece. I also either have already worked on that piece or I am also working on this piece with you, right? Like, I think that super important to me. So in my work with my mom, it's it's very, yeah, it's a, it's a collision of all of those frameworks, ideas, models in lifetime, right? Mm-hmm. It's one thing to talk about it. It's another thing to embody it. Mm-hmm. and be in practice with it every day mm-hmm. um and to be in practice with it in moments when you know we're dealing with real humans so things are going to happen things are going to mess up people are going to be less skillful mm-hmm. um myself included so i think that it's yeah it can be it can be really tricky because i think that there are still times when like i've mentioned i'm not as skillful in our conversations Mm-hmm. There are moments when we're having discussions or talks and something is tapping on an old wound and I'm responding because of that. And I'm not responding because of what's actually happening in the present moment. Mm-hmm. So being able to take a step back, give myself that grace, give myself that time to be intentional. Um, it uses it's I mean, it takes a lot, but it's. For me, it's worth it. It's worth it for that liberation that I'm trying to get at, right? Like, it's not, nobody said this would be easy. (laughs) Nobody said that. So (laughs) I think that being aware of that and, yeah, even aware of the times when I feel like it can be, it's, it's just a lot. I think I'm also just trying to be mindful that it's a lot 
it's a lot to ask of somebody else when you're in relationship with them and they maybe didn't have the same exact skills teaching knowledge that you have right like Mm -hmm. my mom wasn't sitting around you know on her college campus absorbing all this black feminist knowledge like that that wasn't what she did so how can i expect her to be all of these things immediately Mm -hmm. it's like she wasn't with me right she wasn't with me when i was learning these things so it's like Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. i think trying to it is it is a juggle for sure and i don't always get it right (laughs) and it doesn't always come out cute and nice and in a bow but it is (laughs) it is worthwhile work and i think that slowly but surely it is things are shifting for us and for our family as well. Right. And, you know, I think, you know, I think that's huge, you know, that you acknowledge and you are still willing to do the work, even though sometimes you know that you won't get it right or that it won't, the way that you phrase things won't come out the way that maybe you would have liked them to. Because I think that when we, when we are so worried about doing the right thing, saying the right thing, and, you know, making sure that everything is phrased just so or done just so, sometimes we end up not doing the work because we're so in our head about the work. Yeah. Yeah. And it just doesn't, it's it's not authentic, right? It's almost like you're just reading off of a script of like, well, today I would like for us to be together in this. It's like, that's, that's fine. Right. That's fine. Great. But like, if that's not how you operate on a day to day, if that's not, if that's, you have to embody it. It has to become your languaging mm-hmm. that fits for you. It has to mold and end up being your truth. And yeah, that is, I mean, that's what makes it so complicated, especially when you already have a kind of strained relationship. Uh, it just is. Right. Yeah. There is a, I've lost my train of thought, but there's layers to it. It's the, there's layers. (laughs) I'll just leave it at that. So if someone were to come to you, someone who was engaging in the work of mothering and were to ask for advice about how to engage in that work in a way that would help to liberate the person with whom they're engaging that work, what mm-hmm. advice would you offer? Um, well, I think I would first disclaim, take it or leave it, because I'm not a mother, and <laughs> I will be one day, but this is all speaking from my, like, high horse of, well, I've watched a lot of mothers, I've seen <laughs> right? So it's like, <laughs> take it or leave it, I trust your knowing, and... I think that I would probably say um, to just let them fully see you be a human, mm-hmm. right? Like watching watching other mothers fumble, but then be able to just kind of be honest about that of like, oh, yeah, yeah, I kind of messed that up, huh? Like that was, mm-hmm. <laughs> that was great as it could have been. Um, and just letting that kind of be letting that also be a part of the mothering experience I think is Mm -hmm. so important because it it then I think it just helps that child have more grace for you down the road Mm. and it's like yeah my mom was doing the best that she could 
And, you know, some days that was really great. Other days it wasn't as great as either one of us hoped. But we're still here. We still love each other. We're still here for each other's needs. And I think that that's so much more important than getting it right all the time. Because you won't. You just won't. (laughs) Right. And I think you're right. I think it also allows for whoever is the, you know, receiving that mothering to also have more grace for themselves because they observed someone, you know, saying, oh, you know what? I didn't get that right. Someone acknowledging their own humanity, Uh you know, observing that humanity, allowing them to better make space for their own. Yeah. There's just something so much more powerful of just watching somebody mess up and the world not fall apart than watching somebody really fight hard to hide that they messed up. Thank you for listening to this episode of Our Mother's Gardens. If you want to support the show, you can make a sustaining donation on Patreon by visiting our page, Our Mother's Gardens. Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a review. You can also find us on Instagram at Our Mother's Gardens PC. Our Mother's Gardens is a Honey Bunch of Stinkweed production. The podcast features music produced by Pata.